This is episode 330 of the AWS podcast, released on September 1st, 2019. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adibus Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined today by Chad Smutcher, who is a Principal Developer Advocate for EC2 Spot. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to have you on here because one of our most popular topics is EC2 Spot. In fact, has been since the very start of the podcast. People are always fascinated in sort of what it is and how it works, et cetera. And the nice thing is because we take a lot of feedback from customers about what we can do better and how we can iterate the services, EC2 Spot has changed a lot over time is even way more powerful yet easier to use than ever before. So we thought it was a great time to have Chad come on and demystify this for for those of you who are new, but also to help revisit it for those of you who think you know what Spot is like. It's changed a lot. So maybe Chad, should we give a quick overview of what Spot is and then dive into how the pricing model has changed compared to what it was early on in the day. Absolutely. So so just a level set, EC2 spot instances are spare uh, EC2 capacity, right? So you think about we have a large set of capacity ready to spin up whenever customers need it in the, you know, in the on-demand nature where you're, you know, utility-based pricing. All that spare capacity we have, we don't want it sitting around idle. So we've made that available as what we call spot instances. And the major advantage to spot instances are that you can save up to 90% off of the on-demand price. So it's really quite simple. We have the capacity we give it to you. You ask for it. We give it to you. If we need it, we give you a two-minute interruption notice, and we take that capacity back. So that's the that's the fundamental model, the the, the basic model. And it's interesting because in the early days, with the two minutes and getting it back, there was no sort of life cycling you could do to know it was going to go away. It just would go. But a lot has changed. We also have sort of um, fleets now and, and time-based stuff. So maybe walk us through some of the concepts or the constructs that we can use from just the the I guess the single node to the bigger picture view of multiple nodes in a more significant environment. One of the the, the major feedback we had from customers over the years that was that spot seemed complicated to use. And so we've spent a lot of time simplifying the usage of spot and making it easier to launch and maintain. And there's lots of different ways you can do this. So even to aside of integrations aside and things like that, just talking about how to just raw, you know, launch raw EC2 in, uh, spot instances, there's a couple of different ways. The first way is just through the basic run instances API, right? So using an EC2 launch template, you can specify that you would like spot to be used when you request your capacity. And by doing so on your launch template, by simply setting market type equal to spot, you can simply request that spot instances are launched. And, and it's quite easy to do. So just like you would launch an on-demand instance, you, you can request a spot instance. It's quite simple. That's a single flag you have to pass and then that's it. And we will take care of launching that capacity for you. If you want to get into sort of you know workloads and, and larger deployments around spot, you can do that through a couple of different ways. The first and, and is the recommended way is to simply use spot in an EC2 auto-scaling group. And, and EC2 auto-scaling groups have also come a long way in terms of how they've integrated with spot. Within an auto-scaling group, you can actually use what's called a mixed instances policy and request either 100% spot or a combination of on-demand spot in a single auto-scaling group. And it could be a percentage. You can also have a baseline around how much on-demand you want, and you can scale with spot around the baseline. So there's lots of flexibility and, and lots of variations around your requests. But point being, if you're familiar with easy to auto-scaling groups, it's really easy to get started with using spot in an existing auto-scaling group. And again, it can be pure spot or it could be a combination of on-demand and spot in, in a single auto-scaling group. And the auto-scaling group will just 
figure it out, out all for you. You simply tell it how much capacity you would like, how much spot capacity, how much on-demand capacity or our ratio. And then the autoscaling group will simply look at what we have available and spin it up for you and maintain it for you. Beyond autoscaling groups, you've probably also heard the concept of a spot fleet or an EC2 fleet. These are sort of builder tools. These are these are APIs where if you don't want to use an autoscaling group, if you're sort of in the business of launching your own capacity and maybe scaling it yourself, or you have a tool that's building and deploying capacity, you can use a spot fleet or an EC2 fleet. Both of these tools, again, are also very powerful, but they're more lined against the developer or the, the, the user who wants to build a customized deployment process versus using an EC2 autoscaling group. Now, those those fleets, just to, to clarify, they, they let you control a lot more about the, the longevity of, of the fleet, don't they? You can sort of set some, some time boundaries and you can also do some mixing and matching with the instance types as well. You can. So both SpotFleet and EC2 fleet also allow you to combine both instance types as well as purchasing options within within an, a fleet request as well. Sometimes customers get confused. Why do we have EC2 fleet? Why do we have autoscaling groups? And what I like to say, it's quite simple. For for 90% of our customers, we think using using EC2 autoscaling groups is the best way to go. It's It has things like lifecycle hooks built into it. It's got a lot of provisioning and maintenance mechanisms built into it. It's very powerful. But again, for those those customers that are sort of builders that aren't using autoscaling groups or have a need to sort of provision, think think of a fleet as a as a run instances call on steroids where you you have a lot of power around how you can make that request, but it's up to you to sort of to maintain that that overall request over the life of the of the fleet. And the fleet has options to set how long the instances will run as well. So if we think about sort of your conventional single instance spot, it's like you, you spin it up and it can go if your bid is uh, is exceeded. But with the fleet you've got some different options there. You do. And I'm gonna use this to sort of quickly grab on that. So one thing we removed back in 2017, around uh, right after, uh, right at reInvent, was the concept of bidding completely with spot. In fact, there's actually no more bidding. You can simply tell us you would like a spot instance, and if we have the capacity, we will give it to you. So that's one of the things that we really worked hard on was removing this whole bidding concept when it comes to using spot. Customers found it complicated and difficult to use. Now it's quite simple. And so when you place a spot request, you don't even have to provide a maximum price. You can, if you want to, put a cap on an individual spot request or, or an overall fleet request in terms of price. However, if you don't provide it, we will automatically set the maximum price for a spot instance equal to the on-demand price and understanding you will only ever pay what the current spot price is. So there's really no risk to this concept here of how you pay for spot instances. That's really and nice. So, so we've taken that complexity <laughs> away where, where it's just yeah. you, you're getting the cheapest prevailing price up to and including the on-demand price, at which point, yeah. like you said, if you're using autoscaling groups that combine on-demand and, and spot, you just use the on-demand. Yeah. So an autoscaling group um, has the, the concept of, of a por- portion can be spot and a portion can be on-demand and they are unique requests and the autoscaling group will spin up spot for the spot component and on-demand for the on-demand component. It won't you know, move from one to the other to compensate for capacity, but it will do its best to maintain the ratio that you, you've requested for spot and on-demand in the, in the overall request. So sort of going back to your previous question around with a fleet, you can definitely set a maximum lifetime for, for the length of a, of a fleet request. The idea being if you have a job that you would like to run for a certain amount of time, you could tell the fleet to turn itself off after a given amount of time. Whereas in, in an auto-scaling group, it's really about maintaining the overall capacity indefinitely until you until you terminate the auto-scaling group itself. So let's cover a couple of things there. So we, we talked about bid-free pricing, which makes it a lot easier, but do we still expose, I guess, what the, the prevailing price is and has been for particular instance types? Because that was always one of the things that customers liked is they could kind of anticipate what were the maybe less demanded instances that would be available at a, at a, 
at a steep discount. Right. So we definitely do publish spot pricing history. There's an API for it that you can call and you can query up to 90 days of spot pricing history. You can also see it in the in the spot console. Now, one of the things that we did when we removed bidding was we also greatly reduced the fluctuations in spot pricing. So previously, you would potentially see prices fluctuate uh, almost in real time in some scenarios. That's all been uh, removed. So prices are, are, are slow changing. They're relatively flat. They only change if we need them to change based on long-term trends in supply and demand. And what we really want customers to focus on is being flexible and diversification. We want customers to say, I, I would like some capacity and I'm willing to use these instance types. They could be combinations of sizes as well as uh, availability zones, as well as families and allowing us to just figure out where that spare capacity is and spin it up and let the customers use it you know, uh, as, as needed. And so by removing the bidding concept, by making prices slow changing, relatively flat and stable, we're really allowing customers to simply tell us, hey, I need this capacity. I can use any of this these pools of capacity and just please go figure it out for me. Understanding I will only ever pay what the current spot price is. And tell me more about, I guess, the, the life cycle of a spot instance, particularly a standalone spot instance, because you, you touched on that, you know, the, the, the hooks that are available, et cetera. What is available for a developer to use in terms of architecting for an instance type that could go away with very short notice? So there's two things to consider with a spot instance. The first is that when you put a request in and you and you, you maintain that, you put a, re, a maintainable request in, that, that instance can run for as long as we have the capacity. We would only take it away from you if we need the capacity back. So it can run indefinitely, assuming we don't need the capacity back. Now, if we did need that capacity back, we provide you a an interruption notice, a two-minute interruption notice that is made available in two places on the local EC2 instance metadata, as well as a CloudWatch event. So it's quite easy to set your code up to be able to capture that interruption notice either locally in your application or externally through something like a CloudWatch rule and then have that take action by calling a Lambda function or something like this. Beyond that, you could also use that interruption notice, for example, in an EC2 autoscaling group to trigger your lifecycle policies to tell those to be executed upon interruption. But most customers will simply code to allow for capturing of the interruption notice and simply do what their application needs if they if they need to do anything upon interruption. So for example, customers can save state, they can checkpoint, they can copy data to S3, they can detach from a load balancer or drain connections from a load balancer. If you're running a containerized workload, you could drain containers from that spot instance and move them somewhere else. So a ton of flexibility around handling interruptions and really developing your application and your code to, to be flexible with those interruptions. And when we talked about how the service has changed over time based on customer feedback, and certainly early on, there was a lot of sort of plumbing you would do yourself to, to take advantage of spot. And people did it because it's like, hey, I can save up to 90% here. It's worth my time. But that's still quite undifferentiated heavy lifting for people to do. So the team have done a lot of work to integrate the ability to use spot into a lot of other services. Now, we've spoken obviously about auto scaling, but, but things like EMR and Batch are also great candidates for this. And it's kind of baked in, isn't it? Going back to customer feedback, customers kept saying, you know, we love using Spot and we, we love using Spot with Elastic MapReduce EMR. We love using Spot with ECS, the container service. We love using a Spot with AWS Batch. We love our batch processing to run on Spot. Please please make it as easy to use as possible Spot in these services. And so along with making Spot just by itself easier to use, we've, we've worked very hard at making it easier to use and further integrating Spot into various services. So take Elastic MapReduce, for example, you can run your EMR cluster directly on Spot or a portion of it on Spot or, you know, run the, the master node with on-demand and then the core nodes and the task nodes on Spot. Any sort of combination that you would like. EMR has a concept of instance fleets and those instance fleets can be configured to use Spot out of the box. It's quite easy to use and you can provide multiple instance types to follow best practices 
is with Spot within your instance fleet's provisioning system to tell it, I can use these five different instance types. I can use these availability zones. And EMR actually has the capability of looking at our actual capacity and deploying your EMR cluster in the availability zone and instance types that are best suited for that particular cluster deployment. So understanding how much capacity there is to help you get your EMR jobs done on spot and to save a ton of money. Likewise with AWS Batch, AWS Batch is quite easy to use with spot. You can simply tell Batch to use your computer environments to be power them with, with spot and Batch will just go figure it out and provision those, those servers for you, the computer environment for you and deploy your jobs onto those spot instances. Likewise with ECS, um, you can spin up, tell ECS to power your, your ECS clusters with spot and it will do it all natively through the service itself and really take all that heavy lifting off of your plate and allow us to just do it in the back end for you. It's still going to let, you know, it with, in the case of EMR and ECS, it's going to deploy those services in your own account and, and just handle all of it for you at AWS Batch as well. And we just recently announced that Ed, uh, SageMaker is going to have um, native support for, for doing training jobs on top of Spot as well. So manage training on Spot where SageMaker will take the heavy heavy lifting off your plate and allow you to run your um, your workloads on Spot through the managed service itself, uh, SageMaker. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer for many of these particular types of architectures because they, they're designed for transient workloads. And EMR has always been a, a great candidate for that because MapReduce itself was designed to overcome the challenge of distributing large amounts of workloads across a large number of nodes and expecting certain nodes to either fail or perform poorly. So it's it's kind of like you know two peas in a pod, <laughs> the, the MapReduce concept and spot instances. It certainly is. You know, and, and EMR itself has done a, um, a lot to actually make for, you know, to, to provide contributions to Spark, for example, for Spark itself to, to ha- be more graceful when it handles interruptions and to allow you to easier distribute your workloads across a larger number of nodes in, in your Spark on EMR cluster itself. So again, it's a great match and customers have had a lot of success running very large scale workloads uh, at a fraction of the cost by using spot instances. And, and it's really a fantastic use case. Um, you know, it's typically workloads that, that require heavy amounts of compute and memory can benefit tremendously by using spot instances. So what are some of the, the key use cases you've seen customers really uh, kind of take it to the limit and use, use spot really either creatively or effectively? Because I know you often say that spot's a reward for good architecture. So where does it fit? What's What are the obvious go-to places? We, we talked a little bit already about big data. We have customers using, you know, EMR with spot. It's a great use case, big data, but they're also running their own workloads, big data workloads on top of spot instances. So even if, even if they're running their own, you know, Spark environment directly on EP2 or uh, Hadoop MapReduce, lots of success there. Next are containers. Containers are extremely popular with spot right now. You've kind of got this ephemeral environment, which are containers, right? You can deploy a container, you can take it away, you can move it around. It's easily portable. They're small. It's a fantastic fit for running what we would call an ephemeral computer environment as well. So combining containerized platforms, we're seeing a ton of interest around ECS and EKS, as well as Kubernetes, raw Kubernetes running on top of spot instances. So containers have really taken off and customers that are that are moving to containers are taking advantage of spot directly in their containerized workloads. Continuous integration, continuous delivery, a huge, a huge win and success with spot. Uh, we have a plugin for EC2, um, sorry, for Jenkins that we wrote called EC2 Fleet. That is a plugin that can power a spot fleet from your Jenkins cluster and allow you to deploy your slave workloads and, and your workloads on top of the spot fleet and allow it to scale up and scale down based on the amount of work in your job queue. Uh, likewise, we also have um, worked with CloudBees, who has actually built out an entire quick start platform to allow you to deploy your, your CloudBees environment on top of an EKS cluster and, and run your container as your build platform as well on that. Some other popular platforms, batch, batch computing, whether customers 
are running their their native batch um, workloads that they've built out themselves. They often will have a job queue and some amount of compute that they're scaling up and down based on the the amount of jobs they have in their job queue. But also AWS batch as well, where you're they're running genomics pipelines. You know, lots of different variations around that batch processing where you need just raw amounts of compute to spin up and uh, spin down based on how much work you have. And then really the tried and true web tiers, right? The customers that are really keyed on to the fact that if I can use an, an EC2 autoscaling group, if, I, if my application or my environment can already scale up and scale down, why not use spot instances? There's really no difference at this point between using an on-demand instance and a spot instance in my web tier. So customers that are capable of automating the deployment of their instances and are already in a place where they can simply scale up and scale down have really started to use spot at scale in those environments. And so we have customers running full tilt production web platforms on top of spot and they're really seeing great success. They've been very vocal around how much they've been able to save and they've really you know, um, had a tremendous amount of impact on their overall cost of their overall platform by adopting spot. So lots and lots of great use cases there. And, and I think one thing that's really important to, to reiterate and bear in mind is that these, these are EC2 instances. Like there's nothing magical or special or different or lesser about them aside from the pricing model and the, the termination construct that we talked about. Absolutely. It's the same exact capacity. It's just how you're paying for it. It's the same capacity that is powering on-demand instances. It's just that we're charging you a lot less for it in exchange for being flexible around how you use it. And it's really something important to understand. Likewise, when you deploy a spot instance, understand all that spare capacity fluctuates and it changes. And so the more flexible you are, the more willing you are to use gener- across generations. If you need Cs, C3s, C4s, and C5s. If you need Ms, M3s, M4, M5s. And understand each size is a different pool of capacity as well. So the more flexible you are across all these pools of capacity, the best you will be when it comes to using Spot. And there's some good news for Spot users who are also Red Hat operating system users as well. That's just a, a hot off the press announcement too. Just today, uh, or a couple of days ago, a What's New post went out around the fact that you can now deploy and use Red Hat Enterprise Linux through the AWS marketplace with Spot. That's been another big ask for customers that are sort of standardized on using Red Hat AMIs. Now you can use those AMIs that AWS provides and simply pay for your Red Hat licenses, just as you do with on-demand, but now through Spot instances. Even going back a couple of weeks, we announced that Spot is available in US GovCloud. So, you know, those customers that are using GovCloud can use Spot. And we're just really working very hard to make Spot available everywhere and as easy to use, no matter if you're doing something natively on AWS or using a third party, we want you to be able to use Spot and save a ton of money up to 90% on your workloads. And the, the Spot team is really very focused on making sure they get that that customer feedback, etc. How how can listeners keep up to date with some of the, the new feature releases as well as provide that feedback to the team and request new product features, et cetera? Yep. So it happens to be my job to to interact and understand what customers need about Spot, how they're using it, if there's anything that's missing, if they've experienced something, we want to hear about that. So you're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My username is at Shmutzo, at S-C-H-M-U-T-Z-E. I'm very vocal about putting out our most recent um, feature um, announcements as well as being very uh, aware and attentive to what customers are asking for. We want to make sure the Spot team wants to make sure that we're listening to our customers and that we're developing features and, and resources around how customers want to use Spot and need to use Spot to save a ton of money in their environment. Well, there you go. If you've got uh, suggestions for how Spot can be better or questions about Spot, etc., then uh, there's your direct channel. So that's excellent, Chad. Thanks for doing that. Thank you, Simon. It's been great talking with you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.